Praise God for his providential appointment for our gathering here today so that we can worship him and pray together and study his holy word. Turn in your Bibles with me to the letter of Ephesians chapter 4. Today we continue our study through this great letter. As we look at verse 16, I want to read verse 11 through 16 to remind us of the context of our passage and set the table for our study today. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow up so that it builds itself up in love. God's good word. Amen. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for this day that you have made. There is so much about what has happened today already that we are guilty of taking for granted. Uh, the, The many luxurious provisions you have given us that engines run and hair dryers turned on and food was cooked and lights helped us to see our way. Alarm clocks worked. Healthy bodies allowed us to, to come together. God, you are at work. You are sustaining. You are providentially moving. You are sending us into this day for this time. Lord, we're guilty of letting our sin confound us, of letting our our attitudes take us down, letting bitterness well up, letting uh, selfish thinking uh, keep us from extending the hand of grace and of love that you've called us and equipped us to do. So Lord, I pray you would do a mighty work in each of us. Whatever it is, Lord, that has us slowed, has us pulled over on the side of the road, that we would re-engage today, that we'd lean in to your holy word, that the Holy Spirit would move in our souls to break down the walls that we've put up, the attitudes we've struggled with, the, um, the, the, the pity parties that, that we've gotten caught up in lately. Whatever might be at work, Lord, whatever, whatever fear of man has gone to work in us, whatever comparisons, unrighteous comparisons we've done, Lord, that you would, you would slay these things, these sins would be repented of, that we would trust in you, that we would walk in you and your power. Lead us, Lord. For you are the head and we are the body. We love you. We belong to you and we want to serve you joyfully, faithfully in these days you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Verse 16, from whom the whole body. From whom? Who are we talking about? From Christ. See with me that the body is completely desperate for the head in every way. 
A body without a head is a dead and lifeless body. It is a powerless body. Consider the wonderful truths this points us to that are related to Christian dependence on Christ. Without Jesus as our head, church, we have no salvation. Hebrews 5.9, He, speaking of Christ, became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey Him. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Without Jesus as our head, we have no direction, church. Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We are to live, we are to move, we are to be motivated by every word of God. Imagine what your faith journey would be like without the word of God to study, to guide you. Without Jesus as our head, we would have no intercession or access to God. 1 Timothy 2.5, there is one God, there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Without Jesus as our head, we have no sanctification and maturity. 2 Peter 1.2-4, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God, of our Lord Jesus. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted us to His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Church, we must see rightly and fully that we, the church, who are the body of Christ, are fully dependent and under the authority of Christ our head. Later in Ephesians, Paul will say that so clearly, saying in in chapter 5, verse 23, Christ is the head of the church, His body, and is Himself its Savior. Paul says this same emphasis in his letter to the church in Colossae, Colossians 1, 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. And in chapter 2, verse 10 of Colossians, you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. So we who are saved by Christ are the church. We are the body of Christ Jesus is the head, the chief shepherd of the universal church. It is essential that we understand that Jesus is the head of Disciples Church. It is Christ, our chief shepherd. It is our priority and privilege to obey and honor Him in all things. Look with me at what Paul says next. From whom the whole body. From Christ, the whole body. This is a reference to all the saved. To the universal church, the redeemed. To all of us who are one body in Christ. Christ. 
Paul uses the metaphor of the body of Christ in many other places in the New Testament to help us understand the wonderful work, the the detailed intimacy that we are to um, see that we are in Christ. To not live ignorantly to it, to, to not put it away, but to understand it and embrace it and then live it out. Romans 12, 4-6, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. Paul uses an illustration of the human body to show just what God has done, to bring the redeemed and adopted sons of daughters together into one united body of Christ. We who are in Christ are no longer spiritual orphans. Mankind became spiritual orphans at the fall. When Adam and Eve chose to disobey God in sin, they were driven apart. All of your drama, all of your stress that comes with relationships, people you don't get along with, and people that frustrate you or do you wrong, all of that's linked to sin. All that's linked to the fall. And what what happened in Adam and Eve's sin? They, They hid. They covered themselves. They separated. Judgment began. Unrighteous judgment of each other. Separation happened on so many levels because of sin. Loneliness happened because of sin. But when we are saved, we're set free from our bondage to sin because of Christ's atonement on our behalf and therefore brought back together. No longer spiritual orphans, no longer lone rangers. We belong to something that is more special than anything else we could belong to. In Christ, you and I are part of an eternal family, adopted, and now connected to each other in such a dependent and special way that we are like members of a physical body. That the the parts don't were right if not connected fully together. Praise God for what He has done. Amen? Do we see and savor this reality? Or are we guilty of understanding these things, but then we put them away, and then we begin to treat the church kind of flippantly, kind of passively. We're, we're kind of we're ho-hum about it. It is critical we understand we don't earn our way to this unity. We're united to God and each other because of Christ. When we're forgiven of our sin, we're given Jesus' righteousness, therefore no longer separated from the Holy God and or each other because of sin. We're brought into reconciled fellowship with God and with each other. We have this not because of anything we've done, but because of what Christ has done for us. Only by God's grace do we have true and lasting unity. Paul points us to what Christ has done for those in the church and the most amazing unification in all the ways that we were once greatly divided. Galatians 3.28 
3.28, speaking of what it now means to be in Christ, that there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. In Christ we are one. What once divided us has been paid for and removed so that we who are in Christ are truly united, even though we might still be different ethnicities or genders or have different socioeconomic status, we are one because of the will of God, because of the work of Christ, because of the power of the Holy Spirit. This is truly great news. This is the gospel that we cling to, that we testify of. This is the hope of our generation. Thankful for the work that Elder Rob did Wednesday night, our first midweek together to speak of what is the gospel and in many layers what it's not. We would rightly apply the gospel, that we would we would apply the gospel to all the needed areas of our lives. It needs to go to work. Let me ask you, Christian, do you truly see and savor who you are in Christ and therefore what it means to be a part of His body? Do you truly understand what you've been given in this? Can I warn you to be so mindful of your fleshly feelings? For they are so often deceiving, so often self-serving. For if you catch yourself not feeling united, you don't feel included, you don't feel important. You have a choice there. You can trust your feelings as deceiving and wicked as they are in so many ways, or you trust what the Word of God tells you about who you are and how you belong and how important you are. If you don't feel these things, it doesn't mean you're not. You are united, not because of anything you've done, not because of anything anyone else has done or hasn't done. You're united because of what Christ has done. And what Christ has done is finished. Slow with me to hear the heart of Christ for his bride, for the church. John 17, 20-23, praying to the Father, he says, I don't ask for these only, but for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you've given me, I've given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Church, see with me that the standard of our unity is not low. No, it is extremely high. The unity of the Holy Trinity it's the depth of unity that Jesus wants us to have and to know. Why is this so important to Jesus? Because of the testimony, the purpose of our days, that the world may believe 
that the world may know that, that Jesus was sent and that he loved us. Hear Jesus' prayer for you and for me. Hear his heart for our togetherness. His heart for our unity and the testimony of that unity. How do we tell the truth about what it means to be united to God and to each other? We need to be patient with each other. We need to be honest with each other, as we talked about last week. Speaking in truth and love. We need to bear with one another. Truly love each other with our deepest affections and love as Christ goes to work. To make every effort to maintain the unity as we've spoken of in earlier verses of this chapter. And so that means when we see sin at work, at work we, when we see disunity perpetuating itself, we go to work. Why? Because we don't tell the truth about our united eternal family of God when we're content to let the hurts have their way. Content to let the grudges remain. That keeps us on the sidelines. Let us again, not let our feelings divide us. But go to work, speak truth, to be reoriented to the truth. We must make every effort to maintain this precious unity that we've been entrusted with. If you see your brother and sister in sin, you owe it to that brother and sister to help him or her see their sin. You do this in humility, patience, peace, and love. If a brother or sister hurts you with words or actions, you're called in Christ to practice forgiveness, to, to, to fight for conflict resolution within the blood-bought family for the purpose of restoration, no matter how close they are to you or not. Paul's made it clear in prior verses that we are to be diligent to, and urgent to maintain the true unity that Jesus has purchased for us. That means we don't let divisions or unresolved hurts or grudges or unrepentant sin go undealt with. God takes it very seriously, the maintaining of the unity of the body of Christ. Hear this priority in Jesus' words, Matthew 5, 23-24. Therefore, if you're offering a gift at the altar, and remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Go first and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. This is so important to God. He says, stop your active worship to go do what worships God. And that's to be reconciled. To have the tough conversation. To humbly hear each other. To seek forgiveness and healing and unity. This applies to our marriages. How are you... How are you longing to fight for unity more than your own preferences or feelings or hurts? We can really get stuck. We can, we can stall out for, for hours, days, weeks because of our pride, because of our selfishness. We need to be fighting for unity because there's a testimony the Lord wants to go to work in your marriage, for your children in your household, for, your, for, for the watching neighborhood and people around you your relationships with others. Each of us has to go to work. We need to see the urgency in this, to see how important it is to take this seriously. Stop your time of worship to fix the disunity. Why? So that your worship would not be hypocritical. 
Some of you are guilty of not doing this. You have found a way to make excuses for why you will not resolve the hurt. You've allowed too many days, too many weeks, and for some, too many months or years to go by. And it's affecting you. You are stalled out. You are limited in what you're doing, committed to. Limited in your growth. You're maturing. Brother, sister, you can't go further unless you start with this. You can't ignore this any longer. It's time to go to God in prayer. It's time to practice real forgiveness. It's time to sit with a mature leader in our church, group leader, shepherd, mature brother or sister, to receive counsel if necessary. It's time to heal. It's time to thrive. If you know you're bleeding out and it's affecting your ability to serve, your ability to run this race, God's Word says it's your priority to forgive, to heal, to resolve that conflict so that you can run the race for the days that God's appointed for you. See how desperate you are for the head, for Christ to help you navigate this. You're not alone. Christ's Word is key to this process. It's key to the unity we need to have. Christ's authority is key to our unity. And it's happening. I've, heard, I've had testimony that I've seen or been, been personally a part of in the last days and weeks. Stories of siblings reaching out to siblings who haven't talked in years to pursue reconciliation and forgiveness. Pursuits to sit with elders to show humble deference, to ask questions, to, to seek unity because there was a, an understanding that there was some divide, there was, there was some, 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 some hurt that needed to get worked out, that needed to be repented of. Sit down within the family to talk it out, to walk it out. This is not something you're going to do once and then you're going to be done. This is something we need to get good at doing. Why? Because sin's still at work. Because our feelings still get in the way. And the unity that God's called us to have, the maturity He's called us to grow in, is still very much a priority for the days that we're in. The true church is the saved ones who have died to self and fully submit to Christ as head. You are no longer a lone ranger like you were in sin. You now belong to the body of Christ. You are now under the authority of Christ. Hear me clearly. The professed Christian and even the professed Christian church that is not committed to obey Christ and His Word is not the church of Christ, but something else. Let your fruit of your true sanctification, your true salvation, be evident in these things, church. Let us see how Paul speaks to what our devotion and obedience 
to Christ looks like in the next part of our verse. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly. Paul is speaking about a healthy body here that is truly united and equipped so that it can work properly. When we stay with the body of Christ metaphor to describe a united church, it it makes sense that equipping is often linked to nourishing, a body being nourished. This is the way Paul speaks in his letter to the church in Colossae. Look at verse Colossians 2, 18 and 19. He says, Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up with, without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, there it is, from whom the whole body nourished, there's that equipped, knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. See the similarity of counsel in these two verses, two different letters. Not listening to the deception of the world. There's the warning that we have dealt with a few verses ago in Ephesians. But holding fast to the head, holding fast to truth. Again, see our desperate need to remain in Christ, to abide in Christ in everything. From whom, from Christ, the whole body, the united body is nourished. How is the body nourished? From the head, from Christ, from his word, and from each other. The life of the body is in view here. A key part of our equipping to grow and remain healthy is the pastors of the church doing their critical role, as we saw in Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, and the, the work of the members of the church. They also play a critical role. The whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly. You have a part to play. See Paul's focus on each part of the body, each member, every joint, doing its vital part. Peter says in 1 Peter 4, 10-11, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength of that God supplies. We are to use our God-given gifts and the days God gives us under the sun to serve one another and make much of His name to others by word and deed. So let me ask you very poignantly, how are you doing this? What is your area of regular and faithful service to this local body of Christ? God has ordained that each of us have something we do to contribute. There are duties to be part of this family. God ordained place that He's put you, that you have a part to play. If you refuse to play that part, if you refuse to get committed so that you can do that, that's on you to not listen to the way God has intended His saved ones to be together. 
as a committed local body. I praise God. It's a true joy to see how many of you are faithfully serving every week. You're not lax with this. You're not flippant with it. It's not just what you get out of it, but you see that it's as much as what you bring to it. This is truly a refreshing thing for a pastor to see the flock that he leads. The reason why is because many modern day churches have been content to become more like country clubs. And many modern day Christians have been content to find those country club like places and act like a country club member. In a country club, members pay their dues so they can access the facilities and enjoy the options the club provides to its members. This is much of what the modern church has become, sadly, despite what God is clear about in Scripture. A place that has many options, many services for people to come and utilize and enjoy and attend and be attended to. In this modern practice, people learn to bounce from church to church, not based on evaluation of doctrine or the soundness of leadership or the community, but instead simply by the menu, by the programs offered and how much they like or don't like the current things on the menu. In this mindset, people get very upset when the services they expect are not happening the way they want. In each moment that you might be guilty of going, man, I really don't like this part of the church or how this church does this thing this way. Can, can I just lovingly point out how self-centered you are in that moment? instead of praying over brothers and sisters, over lost souls that might be gathering around you? Instead of jumping in to serve, be part of the answer? Instead, our first thought must be focused on what has God given us in Christ and then what do I bring to this church family he's made me a part of? It's not about what I receive. It's what I get to bring to the table. It's about the role I get to play. The church is a group of people saved by the grace of God through the blood of Jesus for the purposes and glory of God. The church is not a country club, but it's way more like a team. Not one that you come to watch, but one that you come to play on. The Bible says every one of God's redeemed children have been entrusted with a gift. Each one received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Church, you are to use the resources, the abilities, the time, the schedule of the week that you've been entrusted with to serve one another. To play our part on the team. To be a part of the mission God has called us to. When you decide that you're too tired, you're too busy, you're too selfish, you're too lazy, you're too hurt to be on the field playing with the team, but instead you decide to go into the stands and watch, 
you need to realize you're acting way less like a member of the church and way more like a spectator who's looking in from the outside. There are dozens of so-called churches, sadly, in our city, very happy to have people come pay to watch. They're, they're excited about a new medium in this pandemic to create video streaming, to gather more people to tune in. And sadly, I know many people over the last decade who have found their way to a so-called church where that's how they participate. They tune in from a distance. But that's not the church. That's not the gathering of the church. You're not able to serve. You're not able to, to pray. You're not able to participate in the Lord's Supper. All these important aspects of what it means to be the church. And so we must fight these modern movements I'm getting emails from companies who find a new way to make a dollar and how to gather more people through online streaming. I can't wait to turn it off. We're, we have it on so that some of our beloved who can't be here are able to continue to tune in and grow. But, but it's for a time. Why? Because we're called to gather. We're called to be together. We're called to serve each other, to do the work of the ministry. I would contend that churches that are pleased to have people just come pay and watch, pay and attend, that if considering that type of church, maybe you're not considering the church at all. If you're guilty of having become used to being in the stands, looking in, looking for the minimum way to serve, maybe you've given some really legit hours and days and seasons of your life to serve and you kind of you kind of start to feel like man I, I i'd like to do an area of service that's just a little easier i can be a little more in and out it's a little less commitment a little less impact on my week man just see with me we're, that's going the wrong direction if anything my days are more and more committed to the work of christ to the growing of the body that sunday morning church would be a two service experience if not more because you're waking up in the word and in prayer and you're picking people up and you're you're spending time after second service in fellowship with others and breaking bread and digging in wednesday night is a cherished part of our week that we're fighting to protect at all cost other opportunities to gather to pray to serve one another are cherished priorities in our week if you're guilty of becoming used to being in the stands, looking in, then it's time to step up. It's time to lean in to all that God wants to do in and through you. For these days, He's entrusted to you to be a most helpful part of the body of Christ. See with me that a healthy church is a family who serves one another where everyone plays a critical role. Listen to Paul's heart to the Romans in Romans 12, 3-6. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you to not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, 
each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us. Let us use them. Let us use them. Are you using the gifts, the time, the resources, the abilities that God has entrusted to you to steward for the equipping, growing, maturing of the church, testimony of the gospel, making of disciples? I love this. Galatians 5.13, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. We're, we're able to take up our cross and love and serve and give our lives away because of Christ's work in us. We're to bear our crosses. And in doing so, we glorify the King. We're to bear something else, Scripture says. Galatians 6.2, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We're to carry one another's burdens. This is one of the one another's we're to practice in the church. If a brother or sister is weighed down or menaced by, by a true burden or threat, hardship, we're to be alert to quickly rally around them in prayer and support and encouragement, reorientation and, and help so that they wouldn't feel crushed. It means we help them carry it. It's our joy to do this. There's many ways that we are to do this. And one of the great ways we try to do this here is in group life. That you would be known by a smaller group of people. You would know them. You would be in each other's lives. You'd be interacting throughout the week in such a way where you are praying for each other, encouraging each other, lifting each other up. So that you're not doing the thing where you only talk once a week and then you spend the first half an hour of that time just giving each other updates and reports. Do you realize if you're walking together, there's no need for that first half an hour. I don't need your update when I've been walking with you this week. And so we need to find ways to be involved. I've, I've heard some murmurs in the last few months in the pandemic of people saying, hey, I, you know, who's, who's calling me? You know, and, and they're kind of waiting to be looked in on. I'm like, well, you're a part of the body too. Who are you calling? How, how are you reaching out to encourage and to lift up and to, and to exhort and to, and, to, and to press each other into Christ? That, both of those need to happen. Yes, share with us if, if there's a gap, if there's a miss. We want to tend to that. We want to, we want to help that improve. There's practical ways we do this where we bear each other's burdens. We might help pay a bill. We might sit at the hospital with a loved one. We might watch their kids during the day or even overnight. We might help with the project. We might loan them a car and on and on. I love Galatians 6.10. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Many of you are doing this, praise God. It is a growing part of the bright testimony of this church. Church, do you see your call as the church to serve others? This is an appointment for these days. It's a part of our maturing. It's a part of our health. 
It's not about what I want. It's about what I can give. It's about making much of Christ and what He wants to happen as we're obedient to serve others. Let's consider what that word service means. Service is using your God-given gifts to sacrificially minister to and love others. As a Christian, your service is your ministry. The Greek word for ministry comes to, a, to attend upon someone. Service is sacrificial love. It's self, selfless love for another. Selfishness causes you to only do what's good for you. Selfish love causes you to only help people when you get something out of it on the back end. Selfless or sacrificial love causes you to love others at high cost to you. Why? Because what you're looking to gain, you already have in Christ. We need the Lord to be at work in us to fight our sin and selfishness. We're to use our gifts to serve one another. So again, how are you doing this? What is your area of service in the family, for the family? If, if you're not regularly serving the family, then it's time to step up. It's time to raise a hand. It's time to, to put on your communication card. I need to jump in. I, I want to serve somewhere. What, where do you need me? Maybe, maybe you know the areas where you're kind of guilty of like, nah, I'm going to wait on that. Or, or maybe you were committed to a certain area and you found a way to kind of, kind of pull back and kind of drift. It's time to lean back in, church. One of the big things, the growing needs we have in our church, um, in, a, in a growing church, is with our kids' ministry. And, there, and not everyone can do kids' ministry, nor should they. And so we're particular about that. One of the reasons why we made our midweek change to one night is so that a growing number of you who are qualified to do kids' ministry would be more committed to serving every Sunday. That you would see Sunday churches to worship one hour and serve the other. And I pray, and I've sent you some, many of you an email to encourage you to consider responding and leaning into Jen and say, hey, no more every other week. I'm in. Let's go. You know? And, 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 and to, to have that that huge need covered. Children's ministry is taking over the whole building. More classrooms every, every couple of months, it feels like. Growing need there. Our grounds team, we, I don't know if you know this, but our grounds team, our grounds here are kept by volunteers. We don't pay a professional service. It is our hope to not have to do that. We believe that within this body are the means of some men and women and many of our kids to volunteer real time. I was blessed just a few days ago, early morning, I was in my office writing. No one else was on campus except for the HIFO boys. We're walking around, blowing dirt around. I saw you. I thank God for you. Different ways that you're looking to serve. Uh, my, my son woke up with me at 6 o'clock this morning to come early. He's starting to learn how to do some of the, the, the tech stuff. How are we looking to serve? We have a group of young 
uh, ladies here who, who, who volunteer every week to, to watch kids so that a discipleship group can meet with some focus as adults. Their kids are being loved and tended to. I always had a vision that some of our more retired guys or, or people with a unique schedule where they're not having to work would be joyful to come help tend to the grounds here. James Miller leads that team as a volunteer. And, it, you know, its, it's team has taken some turns and some ups and some downs, but we need, we need a more steady involvement there, more steady commitment to the schedule in the week, trees to trim and weeds to pull and all the rest of it. Maybe you could volunteer to help with our grounds, our security team. We want to have good eyes on the horizon and watch out for our family. Maybe, maybe the full boat of security is not your thing, but you'd be willing to be a, a, a watchdog, just someone who could alert the security team and, and, and be willing to give a service to do some of that and talk to Israel Ocampo. Our hosting team that Maryland oversees is part of greeting you and loving you and welcoming you and making sure you got a seat and pen or whatever you need. Making sure our bathrooms are clean and the cry room's ready. Admin team, some of you volunteer to come in during the week to, to help with making copies or answering phones or volunteering in that way. Our youth ministry has got a, a great and growing team to, to love and minister to our teenagers who are maturing in faith and discovering life in Christ. Our tech and music ministry has many layers to it, audio, visual, programming, website design. Our cleaning team is a really critical part of all the moving parts of this beautiful campus God's entrusted to us. Opportunity for you to come and, and just pray. Pray over the room you're in while you vacuum or clean a window or whatever that might be, disinfect. And so we have different touches and parts of the week where that's helpful. Uh, we, we have a group of people that stays every Sunday. Not only are they here for a first hour or to worship and then maybe to volunteer during, during second service, but they're, they're here for an hour after. Like me, they don't eat their lunch until pretty late in the day Sunday. They're here, picking up, getting ready for the other ministries following us on a Sunday. Joyful to, to give more of that day to the work of the Lord. We, we, ha- we are blessed to have a neat, neat diversity in, in our demographics of age in our congregation. And so we have uh, meals that are done. We have support for our families with young ones. We, we need a growing support for our elderly, for our shut-ins. We're blessed to have almost 10 people in their 90s as part of this church. Almost all of them are shut-ins at this point. We need a better touch and love and care for them visits and phone calls and encouragements. We need to do that well. We need to set the table for years to come. Why? Because one day that's going to be you and me. Right? You sign up by pulling out that little green card. Something I mentioned, put it on there. We'll, Marilyn and her team would love to follow up with you. We'd love to have a conversation with you. The more open-handed you can be, the better. But we need you committed. It doesn't help to sign up. It doesn't help to be convicted today. And then four weeks from now, you're, you're kind of, you're, you're into your remote control car hobby or your, you know, whatever else you've gotten into and you don't really have time. Let's stay committed. Let's lean in. Let's let this be a part of the life of who we are. 
I'm so excited to see what God has in store. I'm excited that this whole next layer of our church. Look at the verse with me again. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly. We need to do our part. We need to be involved. Makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the last part of Paul's entire thought that really goes all the way back to verse 11. All that he has said about Christian unity and Christian maturity crescendos here. As we grow in Christ-likeness, we, we, we grow in Christian unity and love. Why? Because sin separates, but Christ's love unites. All of what Paul has just said in verse 11 through 16 is God's recipe for our spiritual growth as a church. Look with me at that passage. It's the whole thing. Verse 11 through 16. The church is working properly and growing when the shepherds and teachers are equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Verse 11 and 12. The church is working properly and growing when the shepherds are teaching the word rightly and fully to the body so that there is true unity of faith and of the knowledge of Son of God. Verse 13. The second part of verse 13. The church is working properly and growing when we're holding fast to the word, being discipled so that we are maturing to manhood, maturing to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The church is working properly and growing when we're no longer acting or thinking like children who are easily tossed to and fro by the waves of the life circumstances that are around us and carried about by every wind of false doctrine and manipulated by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Verse 14. The church is working properly and growing when we are speaking the truth in love. Verse 15. The church is working properly and growing when we grow up in every way, every way of life. Into Him who is the head, into Christ, when we are abiding in Him in all things. Verse 15, as we look to verse 16, the church is working properly and growing when the whole body is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped by Christ's Word and power. Nourished, equipped, maturing. The church is working properly and growing when each part is working properly, meaning it's doing their faithful and sacrificial part. Finally, Paul says the spiritual growth of all of this produces the love of God. How sweet it is when the love of God is at work in our lives. Love for God leads to joy. Love for Jesus leads to holiness. Love for God's Word leads to truth. Love for the world leads to mission. Love for other believers leads to unity, care. John 15, 12-17, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all that 
I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask in the Father by my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Oh, how we need the love of God to be at work in each of us, church. 1 John 4, 9-10, through This is the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we've loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. This points us to the gospel, the good news that changes everything, the power for this. May you come to hear it today. May may it transform you today. Not only so, so that you could consider this love, but know it and live it. I pray that God will reveal to you that without Christ, all you have is counterfeit love. Imitation love of man. The love that mankind who is separated from God has come up with in their best effort to have this most special experience, but can't because of sin. We must rightly see that to know real love, we must know God. To know God, you must be spiritually awakened by God to bring you to true repentance, to confess your sin and truly trust your life to Jesus, to die to self and live for Him. If you are not a believer, if you're still Lord of your own life, repent and believe and be saved. And join this beautiful family to live your days for the glory of God. Only in God do we know true love. Only out of the overflow of God does the church love one another. John 13, 35, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In closing, understand with me that spiritual growth church takes time. The church does not mature overnight any more than a human life matures overnight. There's a popular Christian pen that some people like to wear that has the letters P-B-P-W-M-G-I-F-W-Y. How people are supposed to know what that means, I don't know. But I'll tell you. It stands for, please be patient with me. God isn't finished with me yet. We need to be patient with each other. It takes time. We need to pray for each other. We need to encourage each other. We need to love each other enough to exhort each other. To press each other into what's uncomfortable but true. Into what a real obedience looks like. Real trust. Real faith. That we're growing and we're maturing. We're not stagnant. We're not on the sidelines. 
This is Paul's plea for the church he's writing to. Church, this is my plea to you today. When Christ is the head and the body is working properly, when it's working biblically, truth and love thrive as Christ grows his church until he brings us home. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen? Pray with me. Father, we thank you for this time together to worship you, to, to grow in these truths. I thank you for this verse 16, chapter 4 of Ephesians. Your intended purposes, you, the work the Holy Spirit will do in each person to bring conviction, maturity, understanding, growth. Let us not take one step on our own, but be so dependent on the head, on the, on the instruction, the power, the authority of Christ. Thank you for the word. Thank you for the ministry of the church, for the shepherds. Thank you for the, the unity of the saints. Each part, each joint held together, working properly, to, to truly serve you in these days you've given us. We have many reminders in, this, in these days we're in that life is short, that we're not promised tomorrow. That we walk by faith and not by sight, that we'd be doers and not hearers only, that you would be glorified in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions. And many would be saved and sanctified for your purposes and glory. Hear us now as we worship you, as we celebrate you, the living God, preparing us for the ministry ahead, second hour, the rest of the day, the testimony ahead, disciple-making that's ahead for you, your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.